was a place I'd give the world to see Where the music softly playing And the rhythms gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico You got to be in so much to see in Mexico Yep that's where we're going now to uh, Campeche in Mexico, and uh, it's a very warm welcome, as always, to our good friend uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Good evening, Martin Kellner. A pleasure, as always. No, the pleasure's all ours. Tell us, uh, first of all, about the giraffe called Benito. This is amazing because it's just made in international news to a completely unprecedented extent. Uh, BBC, NBC, NPR, Associated Press, Reuters, Sky News, and of course every media outlet in Latin America has been covering it. It's only really uh, talk radio. We need talk radio and talk sport uh, to complete the royal flush, Martin, (laughs) and that's what we're doing here tonight. This is the story of, yeah, Benito, a sole giraffe uh, who's been living in a dirty, small, urban park in Ciudad Juarez on the U.S.-Mexico border, which in winter is freezing. It's the desert. It's really, really cold. He's been living in a tiny enclosure. And in summer, again, given the fact that it's a desert, is really stinking hot, far from uh, ideal. And Benito became an international cause celeb uh, for the mistreatment of animals over the last year or two. Uh, and the campaign to have him moved finally received traction. And this week, uh, Benito embarked on a 50-hour trip south uh, to a safari park in Puebla, east of Mexico City, where winter temperatures are a full 20 degrees centigrade higher than they are uh, in Juarez. And the trip has been, was monitored by thousands of people. Do you remember um, when Pretty Patel left Africa on a flight to get to London to be sacked and it was tracked by thousands a few years ago? I do. Uh, I mean, Pretty Patel got a rather bad press. She was never stuck in a, in a desert. Well, I don't no, know. she wasn't. But, but the tracking of her flight. Yeah, I'm not comparing Pretty Patel to the isolated giraffe but 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 the tracking of her flight reminded me of how people tracked the 50-hour trip that benito undertook from the very north of mexico uh to puebla it was on everybody's uh phones and computers as they tracked his his progress which wasn't straightforward of course because bear in mind he's five meters tall and not that many uh bridges in any country have that level of of clearance so it took uh it took a, a, a decent amount of manoeuvring to get him down south. Yeah. Is he named after the late uh, dictator at all? So he, uh, not, uh, he is named after Benito Juarez, who is uh, Mexico's first indigenous president uh, right. of, uh, around about uh, yeah, the revolution. So not named after Benito Mussolini? No, not, 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 doesn't have fascistic leanings, no. Good. That's well. That's good to know, and that's a, so. That's a nice story that we can all uh, get behind. Um, get behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we rarely uh, we rarely avoid talking about cartels, and we can talk about it again. Uh, lots of news from um, uh, from Mexico involving cartels, guns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, it's been a busy week for all that for that uh, shindig. Uh, the first thing was that remarkably. We had the Mexican president come out and give a press conference a few days ago in which he called on citizens not to publicly support drug cartels after footage emerged from the southern state of Chiapas, which saw communities lining the streets and cheering as armed convoys, armed cartel convoys 
pass through their towns uh, and villages. Uh, at the same time, the Mexican government is insisting that the U.S. investigate how U.S. military-grade weapons are increasingly being found in the hands of the Mexican cartels. I mean, basically, they're better equipped than the military mm. here. And if that wasn't enough, in the U.S., a couple of days ago, a federal appeals court has ruled that there was a $10 billion lawsuit filed a couple of years ago, which was then thrown out of court, but they've reinstated it. Uh, it's a lawsuit in which the Mexican government alleges that U.S. Uh, gun manufacturers are complicit, again, in arming uh, the cartels. Remember, an estimated 70 to 90 percent of guns in Mexico are made in the U.S., and the accusation is that U.S. gun manufacturers knowingly the term is downstream these weapons to organized crime in Mexico. It's interesting, you, you know, you saying that uh, some of these drug cartels are given like a hero's welcome when they uh, when they travel through through towns and everything. Because you've told me that story before. You're not necessarily in relation to Mexico, but certainly um, some of the drug cartels. And I know I was reading a story last week about uh, Naples, you know, at the time that um, Maradona was there. And they were, you know, they obviously um, they obviously surrounded Maradona and, uh, you know, and protected him and everything everything else and they became almost as uh, popular throughout Naples uh, as Maradona himself was yeah if, if you're if you're in it you are generally better served than if you are out of it or if you are on the mm -hmm. on the fringes the issue in Chiapas at the moment is that the two biggest current cartels in Mexico uh, the Sinaloa cartel and the Jalisco new generation cartel have moved into that area uh, in order to control both the movement of drugs from Guatemala and Central America up through Mexico, but also uh, the, the control of migrants, which also makes them money. So there's a lot of sort of um, struggles over territory there. And in part, it seems as though the cartel, or the allegations are forcing people out on the streets. But actually, if, 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 if a cartel is in your town or city, generally, you're going to be uh, much better off than if just the, the, the government is that the cartels know that they can only... They can't just survive by the bullet. They have to survive and live and breathe by taking communities on that journey with them and yeah. making them uh, you know, more better off, happier than they are in other contexts. And it's that, that ecosystem of support which allows them to continue to survive. Absolutely. Uh, tell me about the Amazon. Uh, these new previously unknown civilizations are discovered in the Amazon. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like huge news, but it, I think it really is. It's, it's an amazing discovery using what uh, you may have come across before, uh, this uh, uh, technology called LIDAR, airborne laser scanning technology, which penetrates uh, jungle canopies. And the key thing about this is that we always assumed that um, Amazonian communities, indigenous communities, had been hunter-gatherers. But uh, this level of infrastructure that existed uh, around about 2000. Uh, 500 years ago suggests that there was actually a sort of a fully stratified city and social system in the in the Amazon. It's being compared to it as an equivalent of Rome in in the Americas. And if, if uh, the numbers that we think inhabited these Amazonian cities at the time, which were anywhere between 30,000 and a couple of 100,000, um, that would resemble the size of London during the Roman period, which was previously completely uh, unknown. Blimey, 
Yeah, because so when you go back to the Roman period in London, um, they didn't even have Pret-a-Manger in those days. It was a long, long time ago. Just to give people an idea of how long ago it was. Um, tell me about the uh, Cuban national, national basketball teams, two of them. Yeah, baseball. baseball Sorry, did I say basketball? basketball? I meant baseball, yeah. But, yeah, every four years as the U.S. election cycle comes around, all eyes turn to Florida all over again, uh, a key state, of course, uh, in the election cycle, and in particular, the exiled Cuban community. And, of course, the, the heart of this community is very much baseball, which in Florida means the Cuban Professional Baseball Federation, which is the other Cuban baseball team made up of exiles and defectors and is known uh, colloquially as the Free Cuba team. Unsurprisingly, they're pretty darn good. There's loads of defected major league players which turn out for them. It has huge support uh, in the state. But the problem for them, of course, is who do you play against? Yeah, this is a problem. Well, who do they play against? Well, actually, this has been in the news for the last month because they had an in they'd actually managed to finagle their way into an international tournament in Cuba. Sorry, not in Cuba, in Colombia until uh, the Colombian government realized that this was probably a political faux pas and canceled, yeah. well, pretended not to cancel the tournament, but did actually uh, cancel it. No, they, they play local, uh, local, local teams. They played against a university side uh, recently. It's always a mismatch, but yeah, they, they really struggle to, I guess in a way it's sort of a, uh, you know, a ceremonial center for Cuban dissidents. Uh, but it, it, yeah, they are probably the, the strongest baseball team to not have any actual formal fixtures in the world. Yeah. And I mean, all the Cuban, we've mentioned a lot and you just mentioned them then all the Cuban expats who um, are based in Miami. Presumably they have a fairly big say in the election or are they mostly non-voters? No, they, they do have a big say in the election. Around about uh, 15, 20 years ago, um, uh, Florida was very much a toss up and it was a key state to, to win for the election. That's not so much the case in, anymore. It tends to go pretty standardly Republican now. But those uh, it's interesting because the exiled Latino communities of Florida, uh, which also include uh, the Venezuelan uh, diaspora, tend to be solidly Republican, whereas the Latino communities of the rest of the country actually tend to tend to steer towards the Democrats. Yeah, it is interesting. It has been a definite swing. It's the same over here. You know, at one time, you you know, Labour could pretty well uh, reply, uh, rely on the uh, on the Asian vote, on the black vote, etc. But they can't, um, you know, automatically anymore. And I think the same applies in America to some extent, doesn't it? Yeah, it, I mean, for sure, it um, it varies, and, and the Latino community, as, as we know from this election cycle, is going to be uh, key because, again, it, it generally goes for the for the Democrats and for Biden. But it seems as that you know, even if a few percentage points turn the other way, or more importantly, don't even turn out to vote, that are apathetic within that, then that that's a you know that, that indicates a clear plus for um, for Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, as always, uh, John, thank you ever so much. We do appreciate it, and we'll talk again next week. No problem. Take care. Good man. There we go. Uh, John Bonfilio joining us from Campeche in Mexico. Um, let me give you 